take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix Hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastmatrix.com. That's podcastmatrix.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. Shield's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. There's something to be said for the season finale of a television program. There's even more to be said for a program that is entering into its last season and has publicized it as such. Zombies, magic swords, interdimensional portals, life and death circumstances, bringing the dead back to life, time travel. All of these things and more are just the pieces parts of a much larger discussion and series of fates that deserve discussion inside this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, it's the end of Season 6. Our discussion of Episode 12, The Sign, and 13, New Life. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Podcaster Matrix. Our final review of this program strangely falls on the weekend before Podcast Movement, the world's largest podcaster convention. Mm. And so a quick nod, not only to all of our brethren television reviewers that are at Podcast Movement this time, but all of the people that are also customers to the Podcaster Matrix that are also attending this year's Podcast Movement in Orlando, Florida. Yes. For everyone that's curious, you can find out more details about hosting, promoting, and learning more about podcasting over at podcastermatrix.com. Check it out. Nick, we've got so much to talk about across two grand episodes that flew by faster than a shrike. And everybody, get your holy shit meter ready because there's a lot of those moments in these two episodes. A ton to talk about. Let's get to it. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Getting away when told to. Nick, I just wanted to make sure that you understand that as the director of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, if I tell you to move away from somebody, especially when they're coming at you and have transitional body powers... I hope that you'll just listen to me and do it. 
Sure. I would hope that my instincts are to not only listen to you, but then also you know, get away. So as long as you're telling me the same thing that my body is telling me, we're all good. I always cringe at stuff like this, and I realize Flint doesn't have... He's, he's, he's confused anyway, so I guess I'm going to yeah. run it off on that. But when the director's telling you don't let him get close, and then Yo-Yo says essentially the same thing, and then she's menacingly walking towards you. I got to vote with get the hell out of the way, right? Right, right. But okay. again, you know, Flint just created, snapping into existence, <laughs> being pulled through time and space, possibly, who knows? Yeah. For, let's not forget, you know, he's he's a very powerful inhuman. So mm-hmm. for such a young buck like him, he kind of thinks... Like you know, He's I can throw my tail. Yeah, I can throw yeah. my weight around. Yeah. I don't have to. This it, is a it chick, shows. It a shows. chick with a with a yeah. really weird haircut. I'm not afraid of her. You should be. Yeah. Building the monoliths with Flint's powers, the whole body swap thing could have been such a transitional, haha, nudge with the elbow get thing for television, and it wasn't, and it hasn't been throughout the entire showcase mm. of the whole body swapping thing. It's, right. it's not stupid. It's purpose built. And it's, I think probably the best showcase inside this episode where Azel takes over Flint and then begins construction of the monoliths. I think it's tremendous. Yeah. They have treated this gimmick in science yeah. fiction and fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have treated the gimmick with the utmost respect. And because it is purposeful to, to the story and the character, mm-hmm. And they keep on showing that there are consequences. Do not underestimate Izel. Yeah. The switching from body to body is, is isn't just a gimmick. It's it's peril. Yeah. Because you are now worried about anybody that she jumps into and anybody surrounding her when she's in a body because mm-hmm. you don't know what to expect. Yeah, and that's perfectly showcased later on mm-hmm. inside this yes. episode. I, I can't wait to get to that. The the gist again here is it's not a crutch. Mm-hmm. It yep. is absolutely built for purpose. And the the body swap stuff, I think, is probably the best that I've seen here, probably inside of a property. Mm. Mm. I, I, I'm trying to think of another one that had as much purpose built into it so that you can transition onto the next part of storytelling with body swap. And I can't think of one off the top of my head. Special effects unfold again. I kind of lumped this in with the body swapping stuff could have been really, really stupid. Well, the transitional effects of building the monoliths could have also been very, very stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we don't get is we don't get stupid. But I do think we get expedient. We get expedient processing here because you don't want to sit and watch. I think the best sample I can give you is inside of the third Spider-Man film, the one with Tobey Maguire that showcased Sandman, the introduction and genesis moment of sandman is one of my favorites of all comic book time believe mm-hmm. it or not there are a bunch of pieces inside of that movie that i think don't get the hallmark they needed to because of the other terrible ones that were inside of that movie right. but the genesis moment of sandman inside of that film i think is one of the best ever yeah inside of comic book movies what this scene could not stomach was something as long as what that was but it just needed a little bit more, in my opinion. It, it, there needed to be more time that would that would be shown as the monoliths are built 
in the process, I, I, I don't know how to quite articulate it. I just wish there had been a little bit more time spent on it so that it didn't look like, okay, we need to make sure that these transitional effects on the background behind this actor are done right. Because that's what it felt like. Hmm. It felt like this is going to look great, but it doesn't look like, a say, a piece of cinema effects that I've become so used to watching the show. doesn't mean that it was bad. No, I was just well, looking for something that was just a tiny little step up. I think since we've seen stuff like this before in this show, mm-hmm. uh, it goes to the old rule. Well, we've shown it once. We don't really have yeah. to focus Not on it true. again. So, and I think there's so much in this episode that... You, we got to get to it. We got to get to it. So we can't spend too much time on certain things. I do agree slightly because one would think that even though Izel does have complete control over a body when she's in it, she doesn't necessarily understand the full range of powers. Where Flint's powers are concerned are way more complex than Yo-Yo's powers. Well, you know, she jumps into Yo-Yo. Okay, I move fast. Mm-hmm. Great. This is actually reconstructing things from her mind out of stone. And I would have I would have liked to see a little bit of trial and error, maybe trying to get it just right. But then again, we would probably have to sacrifice something else in this episode. Yeah, because there for was that so because right. there's no time. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I, I think that's well said. And again, I think it gets back to my original comment, which is expediency. No, yeah, yeah. We, we've got to we've got to get this done. It's not that we want to hurry through it, but Jesus, we got to hurry through All it. Right. The device we've needed for two episode arrives, but not in rose gold. This is great. Not only is it the slapstick wrist things that I have loved since I, I remember having one of those when I was eight, <laughs> and so that's nineteen seventy eight. So those have been around a long time and that we haven't had a piece of technology, in particular wearable tech, haha, that has gravitated towards that format. That's funny. Just I, wait. I, well, Just I, wait. I, I cackle at that. I'm, I'm wearing what amounts to a smartwatch from Samsung. It's mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the smarter smartwatches that there is. And what doesn't happen is I can't slap it on my wrist and it's on. <laughs> I have to tie it on and use the clasp right. like I use with any standard watch. I think that's more because not only what people are used to, but what look, looks normal mm-hmm. as opposed to a slappy wrist bracelet. But, damn, this was cool. This was very, very cool. I love that the concept is not only modeled, but then come up with and then put on people and it's done. Yeah. There is no strife. There is no count of, oh, well, there's only six. Too bad we didn't have seven, so someone didn't have to sacrifice themselves. We don't have any of that inside of this episode, and I'm glad we didn't bother with that. Right. Well, again, no time. There's no time for that. They give you the fake out. It's like, oh, well, we we only have enough for two. Oh, oh, wait a minute. No, I've taken care of that. (laughs) Deke come in. Being the hero. Deke Deke and his, his startup tech company being the hero being able to pull this out pull the rabbit out of the hat going mm-hmm. like all right so what's next i've we've solved this problem let's keep going we're going to take this this evil chick down we're going to save the world from sword to bullets another masterstroke where they're taking one of the blue magic swords they're essentially boiling down the blue magic swordness and putting it into rounds that can be put into a firearm. Right. Thereby felling the strike infected folk with a shot rather than having to stab them or something else that's stupid. And I thought this was a masterstroke. Mm-hmm. I, I well, really did. Well, it makes perfect sense. You know, up up until now, it's always been very close quarters. 
and what's the best way to make sure that you're not you know taken o- o- overtaken by a large number shoot from afar mm-hmm. ranged weapon so of course turn them into bullets put them in a gun yeah something else i would like to have seen too is it is it where one could have taken out all of them because again let's just say for sake of numbers you can make 5000 bullets from what was provided yeah well you can either kill 5000 of them or you can kill 2500 of them if you choose to put two bullets into each. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So that was just numbers that was going on there. So I was, again, they didn't get into the math and the science of exactly what does what. But one would my, think yeah. that one should, do, because they, they they even say, there's a line of dialogue that says it's, it was designed to splinter off to where there's multiple shards inside the body once you hit it with a bullet. Okay, so shouldn't that be enough? Enough, yeah. And so when, when we see in the episode, I realize that, you know, with the zombie standing in front of you, it's way more drama-filled if you can fire off three rounds dramatically that then turn into blood packs slash fake blood packs yeah. inside of someone's shirt. I get it. I get it. I, I just, again, it's expediency where John Wick does it. Well, <laughs> well, why can't our S.H.I.E.L.D. agents? <laughs> John Wick, please, please join the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and teach them how to shoot properly. Yeah, which reminds me, we have to link up yet another video. I think I'm going to end up being a Patreon member of, of that visual effects team that goes back and looks at specific scenes and then redoes them. Mm-hmm. Because what they did was they went back and they redid a series of John Wick scenes. Right. Not that John Wick was terrible, but they actually explained to you how and why guns do what they do and what's missing inside of the John Wick series outright. And then they take a John Wick scene and they show you exactly what it's supposed to look like. So we'll link to that mm. inside the show notes as well. Again, that that whole team over at Corridor Crew, I think, really have their game on. Not only is it educational, it's super entertaining. Uh, it, it flies in the face of, wait a second, they're too young for you to care about them. And it doesn't fly in the other face, which is, my God, they're so sophomoric. It's right down the middle where everybody can take it in and you learn something and have a light bulb moment from all of it. Again, we'll link to Corridor Crew inside the show notes as well as to this episode that I'm referring to. Separating Sarge and Coulson. This is very interesting. On the front end of this episode, there's a series of conversations that somehow the alien Sarge doesn't hear. (laughs) But it happens between Daisy and May at least a couple of times inside of the episode. And I like where it goes. I don't like where it starts because I don't want it to be nearly as overt as they tried to make it at the beginning. Mm. But I love where they take it. I, I, I love that they take it to the point where not only is their want and hope going to be something that in the end bites them in the ass, it actually endangers the team drastically. Right. And I love that they went in that direction. Because it would have been so easy to just be right down the middle. Or is, he, is, he, is he going to be able to come back? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be able to not be overtaken by the alien? And you don't really know. In fact, it kind of goes the other way. And yes. I love it when stories like this, especially inside of televised television audience stuff, goes the other way intentionally. I think it's way more powerful in regard to storytelling. Yeah. I think the way that it was handled through the season, the entire season as a whole, is you're you're hoping for one thing, you're told that it's a possibility, and then by the end it's like, oh, I'm glad it didn't end up that way because then, yeah, it would have been a little silly. 
it would have been a little bit too comic booky. And I'm I'm but, grateful for how things did progress where the quote unquote separation between what is Coulson, what is Sarge, and what is the alien entity. Yeah. We're gonna get more to it as we get towards mm, the end yeah. of the episodes, but I really like it when this show turns itself on its own head. Mm -hmm. It really does pay off wonderfully, and we've got untold samples of that inside this episode. <laughs> Buying into the monolith's legend and power. This is yet another thing that that I don't remember including inside of the actual intro. I didn't. I didn't put the word monoliths inside the intro in addition to the zombies and the magic swords and everything else that's inside right. of this episode. But it just kind of shows you how much is actually buried inside of the storytelling inside of this. Mm -hmm. I love that all of these pieces parts have to somehow fall together. It, it reminds me very much of, you can think of probably five off the top of your head. But it's those movies that try to paint themselves as the next Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. And these five things have to happen together to achieve this thing that is the ultra awesome thing. And all of those movies suck outright. Mm. I mean, just like completely. The one that comes to mind, probably because it had the biggest star and the largest budget, is National Treasure. As much as you might think National Treasure was a decent film, it wasn't terrible, but you know what it wasn't? It wasn't Raiders of the Lost Ark. And well, it's a it's, true, it's yeah. a it's a movie where a series of things have to stack on top of each other to get to the next level essentially. It's a it's a working cinematic video game. Mm -hmm. To be able to do that, especially inside of a television show with television budget and television timing, that's a masterstroke and guess what happened? It's a masterstroke. Taking the pieces parts that have to happen here. Let's name them all. Let's or let's try and name them all. So first we've got to have Azel, who is the master craftsman composer of what, what's going on here. Second, we've got to have Sarge. Sarge has got to be involved because there has to be a yang to the ying. Uh -huh. Third, there have to be shrikes that are flying around being commanded by Azel. Fourth, you have to have people that can take in the Shrikes to become the zombie horde. You have to have the monoliths. Right. Mono the monoliths create the ability for there to be the temple. The temple then creates the ability for there to be the singing session because the, the chamber is actually what the... That's all pieces, parts of the puzzle that have to be put into place to pull it all off. Then you have to have the sign to the alien people to... Come on down. Come right. through the portal. Right. I'm assuming May was sent through. We'll talk about it. It was sent through because that's a sacrifice that then vaunts forward whatever the steps are. Well, then I don't know. Three... I don't know necessarily a sacrifice. They say a sign. A sign has to be sent. Okay. So sign. And I'm assuming that's what it is because Azel says that as she, the, the moment after she's pushed through the portal, that's exactly what she says. Mm -hmm. So there's the sign. So the singing, the sign. Then you got to have the three ring wraiths vaunt gallantly up the steps to put in the three stones. The three stones will then open up the gate and allow the ring wraith horde to then walk through the portals and begin new life on insert name of planet blah. Right. That all would be really, really stupid if it wasn't just showcased inside of this show in a matter of three or four episodes. Kudos. It, it doesn't get any more kudos ridden. 
than what has happened here inside of... And we're not even uh, halfway through reviewing the first episode of these two. Right. Uh, Again, master craftsman stroke. Well, where that's concerned, it's it's writing, but then once you film it, it's also the pacing of what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to... it, It can't just boom, 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 boom. You have to, there has to be the, will they get to the next step? And how will they get to the next step? The breathing. There has to be breathing. There has to be breathing room. And of course, with this show, you also cut back and forth to the lighthouse and the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. And then you also have your strike force that's on the ground in the jungle coming towards the temple. You know, so you have all of these things happening to where you can do that First, this has to happen, then this has to happen, then this has to happen, because you have enough in between to where it feels like it is happening organically, Mm -hmm. instead of Mm -hmm. just, all right, now we'll do this part of the plan, Mm -hmm. and now, this part of the plan. You know what it is, again, to go back and trash National Treasure, that's exactly (laughs) what it is. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's exactly that they must happen in this order. They must also happen in this period of time. And none of it, because it's smashed together to fit into their 93, 98-minute, whatever, however long the movie is, yeah. well, none of it feels real because you have to smash it together like that. This format, you're able to do that because they're already used to doing it. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's a piece I hadn't contemplated, but it absolutely is true here. And this one spread over the 84 minutes or 86 minutes as opposed to just the 43 minutes that we traditionally get. So that's what I will better. what I will say in defense of the National Treasure films, <laughs> I think had they been set in a time period that wasn't modern day, more people would have been able to swallow the disbelief pill like the Indiana Jones adventures. Yeah, I would agree with that. Nicolas Cage is essentially trying to be the modern day Indiana Jones, which is fine. But when you have all of this outrageous stuff in modern day, unless you're able to take that disbelief pill, you can go, oh, wow, this is a little hokey. But it's a Nicolas Cage movie, so you're supposed to be going into it going like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to throw away logic anyway and enjoy myself. There were enough real-world elements inside of National Treasure that I would have loved for it to have just been a really good movie, and it just wasn't. It wasn't Let there be no radio communication. This is great. It's one of the very first times, probably inside of, again, any single property, with the exception of something maybe military-based where everybody goes dark, quote-unquote, so as to not leak communications. Mm -hmm. That's where I've seen it. But just inside of entertainment in general, where, hey, dumbass, it's a radio signal. (laughs) So in addition to it being radio, in addition to there's all kinds of our own tech that's flying around, oh yeah, they've invaded the brains of everybody that's here, so there are no secrets. (laughs) There's way more of that dumped on us later, but man, this is awesome because for the first time in a long time, it makes the radio almost completely useless, other than maybe general status or maybe pulling off another 262 moment Mm. where you're trying to talk in code but see that doesn't even work either because all the codes are going to be known i thought that that was brilliant and a fun piece inside of this episode this really just goes to show that they're finally taking izel seriously yeah it's it's okay so we don't know for sure that this is a fact but just in case we're going radio dark Mm mm-hmm 
and only communicate if you absolutely have to. If it's something that doesn't matter, because, I mean, uh, if she can read and pick up radio signals and understand them, our cover's already blown anyway. So it really doesn't matter. So if you absolutely need something, sure, go ahead, break radio silence. But if you don't need anything, we're going dark. Yeah. And that shows that we have finally started taking our villain seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, a little too little too late, guys. <laughs> Four or five episodes, maybe. Right, exactly. In the ass, but okay. Could Flint unmake the monoliths? I don't traditionally have these kinds of thoughts where I'm trying to subvert what I'm seeing on the television. Nick does all the time, and it ruins his general entertainment experience. It doesn't ruin anything for me. <laughs> it enhances. It enhances, right. It's your, it's your mind thinking. This is the only time inside of these two episodes where I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if Azel just keeps knocking out Flint so that he can't unmake the monoliths? Mm. Because I'm assuming... That he could wake up and go, what happened? Oh, my God, she stole my powers and made the monoliths? Oh, what's that, director? You need me to unmake the monoliths? You got it, sir. Zing! And un- unmade go the monoliths. And unmade goes the peril. Because, again, inside of that stair-stepping puzzle piece building, if you don't have the general monoliths, then you got Jack anyway. Right. So I'm glad it didn't go that way because it would have been way too easy to just remove one of the puzzle pieces. Well, they and- explained it away. The actual creation of the monoliths wiped Flint out. Because remember, when Azel leaves and Flint wakes up and starts crawling up the stairs to help Mac and Yo-Yo get away, mm-hmm. he's got nothing left. So he couldn't unmake the monoliths if he wanted to. Mm. Eventually, Azel comes back, sings her little song, and opens the portal. And I don't know if you actually need the, the monoliths after the portal is already open. I mean, it's kind of a moot point after that anyway. Mm, interesting. So interesting. the fact that she has injured Flint, so he's in pain, so now his energies are going to be focusing on trying to keep himself from going absolutely nuts from the pain. Mm. If he was at full power, he could have probably destroyed those monoliths. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. But because completely drained and then severe pain because of a broken leg, mm-hmm. uh, no, out of the picture. Very interesting. Are Yo-Yo's arms super? Yes. <laughs> it's a simple question with a simple answer. Thank you for the discussion. It's they are discussion robotic, podcast. therefore, they're robotic, therefore they will they can be if calibrated, which and we have seen they are calibrated stronger than normal human strength. Mm-hmm. That the, the those hands are stronger than a normal human. Okay. Uh, we actually see it happen several different times, mm-hmm. especially in this season yep. where she is, she's just ripping stuff off and it's like, oh, wow, you you must work out. No, I got robot hands, man. Right. Well, what I'm telling you, though, and you know this because you've seen it in movies and or you can probably do it yourself because you're a former security agent. But the, the gist is that if nothing else, if her arms are super, well, you know what, Mac? You don't need that one hand because we got to get the hell out of here. I'm going to pull the cuffs hard enough so as to break your hand, and we're going to leave. Cool? That's out the window because they didn't even consider it. Uh, yeah. I mean, technically speaking, putting Mac in danger and, and possibly weakening him in the coming fight, I, I don't know. I don't know. you you got to think tactically about that. Mac is, except for, you know, Yo-Yo when she's, when she's got the use of her 
bionic hands, mm-hmm. Mac is your your strongest fighter physically. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not Melinda May is your strongest fighter hands down. Mm-hmm. But when you want pure power and strength, you call Mac. Mm-hmm. And if he was going to uh, end uh, up... Unless you're handcuffed to a pillar inside of an ancient true, temple. True, true. Then you don't want Mac. Right. Because he's handcuffed. Sorry. Yeah. But, but then what does he do when he's not handcuffed? <laughs> he kicks ass. He, he kicks ass. He kicks ass. He but you can't does. kick ass with one arm. <laughs> yes, you can. No, you not can when you're going up... Half an ass. Not when you're going up against an intergalactic being <laughs> that wants to destroy the world by turning everybody into frickin' zombies. Visiting the factory. I had trepidation when I first realized that they were going to do this. But then I had elation after we got to the factory. And the factory I'm referring to is the factory in the cargo hold that Deke has assembled with all of his all of his millennial minions there making all kinds of cool Deke product. <laughs> yeah, Shaw Tech. exists in the lighthouse, but unbeknownst to everybody else. And that is how he's able to pull all of these great saves because it's not him. It's his team doing it. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely loved it. I love the persona that he puts on to direct them. Like again, like another composer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I love all the people that look at him with adoration. Somebody from the future. (laughs) He fits into the culture of modern day way too easily. Seamlessly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Seamlessly. And, and it works. It, I, again, as much as I love to hate exactly what we see there, mm. it's absolutely perfect inside this episode. And that it was underneath everybody's nose is even funnier. Who the hell gave him clearance to do that? <laughs> the alien patent lawyer and the rest. <laughs> this is great. The, again, this whole series of little commentaries that happens inside of this whole process is tremendous. I I, I loved all of it. It's it's all this shiny little smiling gold mm. inside of this portion of the episode that I think really needed. It was really needed because we got definitely a big needed. bunch of heavy on the front end and the back end of this episode. Yes, this is this is when the the lightheartedness. We don't get any more after this stuff. Yeah. And this kind of changes the dynamic between Fitz, Simmons, and Deke. And I'm sure we'll propel that relationship into the seventh and final season. Mm -hmm. Because, again, this is the last time they actually get to see each other and communicate. I'm wondering, though, what's in store for Deke moving forward? Because... They do. They do call him out on a bunch of BS. And I, I get his his meaning. I, I understand, you know, nobody liked me. Nobody wanted me around. So I went out and I tried to make something of my own. Mm-hmm. And it's almost it's almost very similar to the conversation in the first Jurassic Park where Ian Malcolm is talking to John Hammond about, you know, you you didn't create this technology. You just took what others had done before and you built on it and you you didn't respect it. You didn't earn it. And now here it is. We're all going to die because, you know, you've you've created dinosaurs and we're all going to be eaten. It's the same thing with Deke. He didn't invent any of this. None of the alien stuff and none of the shield tech that he borrowed Mm -hmm. to start doing his own stuff. 
he's only putting his own spin on it and maybe even improving upon it. Well, there's a piece that happens, and it's not inside of this episode. I think it's actually inside the second episode. Mm -hmm. But it's a piece where he has almost internally completely accepted the fact that not only has he ripped them off, not only is he creating his own stuff, but he's made it to where if you don't have the money, then you can't do the research. So how can you forward anything? And so you have to do you have to do what you have to do. And yeah. so his stealing and his borrowing, quote unquote, and everything else is shoved under the fact of I'm raising capital so that I can right. foster the tech. And the blame is out the window. Mm. And that's the other piece that I, I really do love about the concept of I think what a lot of people see inside of these mega companies that make this kick ass tech. But what are we creating and what are the actual circumstances and the consequences that are associated with all that stuff as well? Yeah. Well, that all goes out the window because the sense of responsibility and the consolation that needs to be inside of the concept of creating things like that, that also has gone out the window. Right. So, I, again, I loved it. I thought that this was one of the shiny pieces of the very first episode that I really enjoyed. Most of the mice survived. This is great. Starts talking about the Shaw Drive, which is for those that didn't pay attention or were cackling too hard to know, is a personal jump drive. It's a teleportation device that has been that has damn been wearable tech. Yeah, wearable tech. Yeah. It's a backpack bigger than you or I. That's hilarious. Anyway, hey, I'm sure if you gave him another week or two, he would have been team. able to. Him and his well, mostly his team would have been able to compact it down to maybe the size of a fanny, fanny pack. pack. <laughs> <laughs> right, all right. The, the bottom line, though, is that this was fun. Again, you get this this internal waft of levity that doesn't really quite belong, but it's terribly entertaining, mm-hmm. and it's very well put inside. The middle is the the very delicious meat piece inside of the sandwich. Lots of Shrike bullet shooting deaths. Now, beyond the count that we're going to go into here, which, again, if you're shooting three or four bullets into one Shrike-ridden zombie victim that's now dead, blah, whatever. Well, again, if you've only got, let's say, a thousand bullets. Well, if you use four to shoot into one, that sucks. Right. So maybe it's time to shoot one into whatever. But anyway, let's get past that. What I also was struck by, and I'm not usually struck by things like this, mostly because we don't include the news inside of most of our goings-on here inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Uh But as we record this, we are less than 24 hours outside of the cone of two very large mass shootings inside of two very public venues. Yep. And so this was very... This hit very differently just because of that. And I haven't even seen any news reports. All I've heard is just news inside of a news stream here and there via the Internet. And so it, it struck me. There's a lot of shooting inside of this episode, especially as the uh, the Chronicoms come in and they come in with rifles. And so it struck me. And this is the first time that I remember it striking me like that hmm. because of those two events. Uh, to, scooch, to scooch past that. I, I have to go back to the if you only have 5,000 bullets and you have no idea how many hostels you have, I think it's time to be conservative with the bullets as opposed to here's five bullets for this user. You need one. You need one inside of one of the bad guys, and if they drop and they don't move anymore, then that's enough. True. And even if you had to go test that, well, there's plenty of them to test, so go test it. Yeah, but then if you're doing that, we're not 
paying attention to the peril of, oh, God, there's a group of zombies coming after us. Right. No, so I, I, I get that. But here's the gist. One line of dialogue. We've talked about this forever. One line of dialogue could make all that go away and any any curiosity. And technically there was one li line of dialogue when Sarge put a full magazine into one of the creatures mm -hmm. and does the whole Coulson joke. Was that overkill? Felt a little overkill. Yeah, it is, because you don't need to use that many. Later on, we actually see Deke using one bullet at a time, which is smart. Mm -hmm. But then you also have to wonder, how, well, how many rounds did you actually bring with you, mm -hmm. and how many each person has on their actual person to go into their weapon? When I start thinking of things like that, then I'm not worried about the the storytelling, the the actual characters that are in the peril. Mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't worried about it at all. I was enjoying the fact that we're doing zombies in an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. Yeah. Two, I, two Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. Yeah, and ongoing throughout the entire episode. Yeah. I, I think that that was, that was marvelous, and I knew that you'd get a really good giant grin out of it Anytime all. they throw a dash of horror into my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm a happy man. <laughs> Zombies chasing Deke scene. If I'm not mistaken, there were two or three camera angles where they just dragged the camera through the door and then shot the zombies chasing after Deke inside of the internal cave system. <sighs> Again, it's where this show, if you didn't have those scenes, you wouldn't thereby cheapen it. Because it looks like the exact same corridor lit exactly the same way mm -hmm. where you've just pulled the camera through the door. And I, I, th there was a piece of that where I, I, it didn't need to be there. Because if I can recognize it and I'm reasonably unschooled at that, someone else is going to recognize it too. The fact that they pulled off the ceremonial chamber of a yeah, that was killer. Aztec, Mayan, Incan-esque temple mm -hmm. round of applause oh yeah but then when you have to start doing the chase through the 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 halls and tunnels of said temple yeah it, it's going to get boring because everything will look the same it does look the same mm -hmm. because that's what it looked like right but that's not very visually interesting right and between these two episodes we did very little of that. Yes. Actually, in this first one, it's more along the lines of trying to set up the joke of, oh, guess what? I can't teleport back. Because he thinks, oh, okay, I'm out of here, zombies. Bloop. And he's just at the other end of the hall. <laughs> Behind them. Behind them, yes. Yeah. All they have that, to do is just that, turn around. Actually, yeah, that's right. That, that actually works. That actually works. The Chanting Woman Story. I can remember vividly my father and I watching an Oscar-winning film called Gladiator. You remember Gladiator? Uh-huh. Okay. You know, you might think to yourself, my God, how dramatic that was. And it was action-packed and left you on the edge of your seat for everything. And my God, the effects were tremendous. And geez, the costuming was just superior, blah. I can remember the wheat scene and my dad sitting next to me in the theater and we're watching the scene, and he's got his hand where he's walking over the wheat. Uh -huh. And in the background, you hear the, oh, whatever the woman's singing thing. Uh -huh. And my dad leans over to me in, in his theater chair, and he goes, where the fuck is that woman who's singing that song? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and and I'm like, Dad, what what are you talking about? And he's like, in every freaking movie we go to, there's this howling woman. Who the hell is that? And I I got a quick cackle out of it because he's right though. In every in every dramatic scene of I don't know the last twenty years, there is some howling woman singing something. It's haunting. <laughs> Get it just it. makes things more you eerie and, I, and creepy. You and I are on the same page. My dad was just sick of hearing howling women yeah. in, the, in the middle of something something dramatic. And he's not wrong. The difference is that I love this piece because this was, again, that, that a key inside of the puzzle piece of things that have to happen mm-hmm. to have something happen. And if you weren't paying attention, I don't know that you would know that that was her singing mm-hmm. until... Later on in the episode, where you see her mouth open, right. and then you realize that it's her singing. Anyway, that struck me, and I always wanted to make sure that when, whenever a, a memory evokes my dad, especially in regard to entertainment intake, because he he was he was a true original in taking in any kind of entertainment. Right, and that one struck me a lot. I mean, geez, that's from two thousand, two thousand one ish, right in there. So, long time ago. Anyway, very very interesting when you talk about women chanting. Izell's wardrobe change. Big thumbs up. It, it's not only is it starkly different; it's very, very cool looking. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I loved it. It didn't make much sense. <laughs> then in the middle, oh hey, look a new outfit, awesome! But it was very, very cool, and it looked awesome. What happened to liquefy mode? Every single time there's peril and your back's against the wall and there's no way out and all you got are these, I don't know, earth-shatteringly powerful vibration powers. I don't know. How about using them? And so when when we have the, the zombie horde, even if you have to just shake them out of the way, then how about doing that as opposed to we got nothing? And that, that drives me crazy, especially with somebody as powerful and inhuman as Daisy slash Quake is supposed to be, especially inside of an episode like this that is on the front end of the last season of this show. Again, I'm totally satisfied with where they eventually take us inside of this episode, but I I tire of us. All of you think of it this way. I kind of think of it as survival. If your car breaks down on the way home today, what have you got in your either literal toolbox or your mental toolbox to get you out of the situation. And if the answer is your car breaks down and you're ready to go step in front of traffic because you got no answers, that's not good. Well, right, yeah. It, it's time to have answers or at least try and rifle through what the potential answers are. And when you get to the end of the deck and the end of the deck is, hey, look, it's one of the most powerful televised superpowerists ever. That's a tool. So let's use that tool as opposed to talking about we're out of options and we got nothing else. Because we got all kinds of options. Well, they didn't say they didn't have options. It's hard because we have an army between us and where we need to be. Army schmarmy. Liquefied mode. Liquefied mode means nothing because all it's going to do is make them fall down and they're going to get right back up. Remember, once they have the Shrike inside them, they heal immediately. There is no pain. It's those bullets or nothing at all. Okay. And that's why we had Daisy leave May and Sarge to go create a distraction to get everybody out of the way. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes more sense than 
spending a, a montage of J Daisy just pointing her fists, knocking people down, because guess what? They're going to get right back up. So instead of having an army in front of you, you're now going to have an army behind you. But if they turn into pools of liquid... They're not going to turn into pools of they liquid. They should turn into pools of liquid. You know why? Alien creatures, man. it's liquefied mode. It's liquefied mode. We have stated this, Mike. <laughs> liquefied mode is not the answer to every solution. And liquefy mode. Note to aircraft designers. Don't put one wire that can disable the entire craft outside near the cargo ramp. <laughs> That's just awesome. Everybody's piling into the Zephyr to make sure that they get the hell out of Dodge. And one arm reaches up and grabs this wad of wires out of a hole that nothing would be there that's vital. <laughs> well, no, it, it, it was vital for the, it was the ramp. It stopped the ramp from going up. The Zephyr was disabled after they landed in the previous episode. Yeah. Izel, using Mac, disabled the Zephyr. Yeah. So the only thing that that the zombie hand accomplished was keeping the ramp, ramp from going open. up and allowing them all to get in there. Even if the if the if the ramp had been able to go up, they still would have been grounded. Mm. They still because remember Piper had to figure out how to do the workaround, mm. which she never accomplished mm -hmm. because eventually they bring Flint in and she takes the uh the Quinjet to get him out of there. I, I get it kind of seems a little silly that that one wire there along the edge would disable the ramp I, I would think more wires would have to there should be redundancies in shield tech in, in my mind and, and evidently there's not so moving forward hey maybe shaw tech can get on that and, and start <laughs> creating the shaw zephyr that's right the sheffer will the but he'll become the hero concept. Go out the door now. This was tremendous. There's a half face change thing here. <laughs> when there's a when there's a discussion between May and Sarge, literally as he gets more angry, his face turns towards May, and half of it disappears into this "what the hell is that" face. Yeah, I love that. I love that because it affirms and gives you almost kind of a sneak peek of what's coming. Mm -hmm. And again, looking back now that the episodes are both over, it's even more satisfying as right. we go back and review it. It makes more sense what happened when the monolith energy created the quote unquote the vessel, the copy of Coulson, and the alien energy was trapped inside of it. It was it it was purposely trapped, and we find this out through dialogue between Izel and Sarge later on. And the fact that, that, that there that. was enough Coulson inside of the vessel, that was, it, it wasn't a hindrance, it was a cage. It Essentially, yeah. it was a cage. Yeah. So as soon as the alien being is allowed to come out, which is that anger that he keeps talking about, there's no more Sarge slash Coulson. It's the alien creature that I cannot pronounce the Aztec name to. Pakalaka Tukalaka. Isn't it Chappaquiddick? No, that's her. Patrick, <laughs> that's her. Passamaquoddy. <laughs> it's not Passamaquoddy. That's from an old Disney movie. Patchy Tuck Tick. Something Tuck like that. The plan goes awry. Most television shows always depict the plan to save the day going awry stupidly. Or 
you'll get to minute 37 of 43, and that's when the ripcord for the program's got to be pulled. Mm. Again, my most beloved Star Trek Voyager was probably the largest instigator of that, where, hey, it's 37 to 38 minutes in. Time for technobabble. <laughs> and, and I hated it. I you know what? In defense of Star Trek Voyager, that's how a lot of 48-minute dramas were. Not just Voyager, but all dramas. Right. There's and literally seven, yeah. seven to ten minutes left of the episode. Oh, let's insert. This is how we fix things, the or fix. this is right. how, or this is how we explain things. Yeah, it, you can find it in almost, and not even just back then, even today. Yeah, I mean, go back and watch. Uh, I was a big fan of the show House, mm-hmm. but the thing is about that show, it is very formulaic because somebody comes in with an illness, team tries to figure it out. House makes a lot of really rude jokes. They think they figure it out, but it's not the right solution. Everybody broods, and then, oh, look at the clock. There's only about eight minutes left. Boom. House comes up with the, the solution. It's been staring at us in the face the entire time, but we were just too, st- you guys were just too stupid to look. And, and roll credits. And roll credits, yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, we, the bottom line, though, is that what I love about this show, and I've loved about this show, is that they'll often make the plan, the plan go absolutely sideways. And when the plan goes sideways, they leave it go sideways. Oh, yeah. There often is not a solution, and nothing good happens, and super bad things happen. And plan, this, this episode is absolutely no exception. Plans started going sideways halfway through this yeah, episode. And I love it. I absolutely love it, because it allows, her to, allows us to see the team as the, the entity that they are, which mm-hmm. is the... Everything has gone wrong. Who are you going to call? And the answer is, you're going to call these guys. Yeah. And and I love that. I, I love that they allow, they're allowed to showcase that things go wrong. And are there going to be solutions put in place that actually help benefit everybody or not? Well, I mean, and very often they, they don't. Honestly, when you think about it, if, if a plan actually went the way it's supposed to, that's going to be a boring story. Oh, yeah. Because, okay, we've been told the plan, and hey, the plan went off without a hitch. Perfect. And roll credits. Yay? Yeah. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares, right? It, it reminds me very much of when somebody, again, we go back to the well for Star Trek. <laughs> Someone will be reading something, say, on Facebook or inside of a community forum, and they'll, you know, they're like, can't we all just get along, you know, like in Star Trek? And, and I'm like, hey, I don't know which Star Trek you were watching, but if we all got along, that whole Klingon you know, all of the, everybody having wars and stuff. None of that would be right. in there and it'd be boring as shit. I've never understood that whole thing of the whole, you know, like Star Trek. What? What are you, what are you talking about? The only cool the thing whole... about the future of Star Trek is <laughs> money. Money is obsolete on Earth. <laughs> yeah. And you have technology that makes food for you. Yeah, and green belly dance and babes. That's it. Yeah. There is nothing When else. you leave Earth and <laughs> specifically Federation space, shit gets real. Yeah. You know, there's not they're not all holding hands. They want to kill you, sometimes that, flay you, eat yeah. you. That 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 drives me especially being a, a very steeped in Star Trek lore right. history guy. That drives me nuts when people go, <laughs> "You want to live in the Star Trek world? What are you talking about?" Uh, anyway, <laughs> so very, very well done here. When the devil shows up, there's a piece inside of this where Mac starts spouting this wonderful, wonderful line about when the devil shows up. Yeah. 
And it's so absolutely spot on. It absolutely hammers home the whole thing of, look, you guys have been pining over this guy that looks like Coulson for 10 frickin' episodes. And it's time to stop. Yeah. Because there's the devil, dumbasses. What are we going to do here? Well, it's, it's, it's a great back and forth because, again, you know, Mac has been with Izel, So he does not know what has happened at the lighthouse while he's been gone. Now, of course, Daisy does not know what has been happening to Mac while he's been with Izel. Mm-hmm. So the two of them are are arguing their ideology because, yes, Daisy is right. There is some Coulson in there, but it's not Phil Coulson. It's it's a remnant. It's a shadow of Phil Coulson. It's the shell because the shell is holding the evil. The, the, the one thing to take away from this is out of everybody in the show... Mac has been the most consistent on not trusting anything yeah, about Sarge. Mm-hmm. When they're having this argument, especially when I was watching it the first time, when they're having this argument, it's like, I want to agree with Daisy. It's like, I want to be on Daisy's side because you don't know, Mac. Well, that, she she that, broke through. Then there's a little piece of you think Colson's still in there that you yes. want. Yes. 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 The, the, we are understood. Daisy. We are May. I agree. We we, there, we want we still have that hope mm-hmm. that after all this is done, maybe that evil alien energy creature will die and what's left is a version of Phil Colson with the Sarge persona. And honestly, that's what I thought they were going to do where the end of this season was going to be. And I'm so glad that that didn't yes. happen. That would have sucked. It, it, it would have sucked. I would have absolutely hated it. Uh, yeah. I would be... I would be I would, it would have been what you expected. It, it would have been, been what we were, have been expecting from the very beginning of this season. It would have been time to launch the volley on that, because that, that's not where I wanted them to go. And they well, didn't, thankfully. Yes. The best part of that is that I don't want to get to the end of this season and, hey, look... It's exactly where we were last season mm-hmm. because it's exactly what essentially we would have done. And I'm really happy we didn't do that. The shiny what's going on behind Sarge. This was very interesting. In the middle of some innocuous-ish dialogue, I was looking at Sarge and I'm like, what the hell is going on behind Sarge? Mm-hmm. Because at first I thought it was like some something that was exuding off of him. Right, yeah. Well, it's not. It's the portal behind him. Yeah. But it starts to move and do things behind him. And I thought that was terribly effective because I didn't know exactly what was going on. And I thought maybe there was another piece of storytelling that was unraveling literally before my eyes. Mm. It wasn't being dialogued about at all. And I really enjoy that. Being able to showcase something, especially when I'm not really noticing it or I'm not supposed to notice it, I dig that. Having just watched episode one, and for those that are curious, I got a bunch of notes about Hulu and it's still being available via the Fire TV interface. And so I went back and looked again. And it's just that because I got a, uh, I got the most recent iteration of the Fire TV stick. Mm-hmm. And because I installed the new Fire TV stick, that's why it removed Hulu, not because Hulu has now had some kind of, oh, sort of giant flap okay. with... Amazon, blah. That's not the case at all. And so it works. There's just no fine. war. Yeah, <laughs> man. I thought it was, everybody's going to live like Star Trek land. <laughs> no, the, the bottom line though is that there's no problem between Hulu and Amazon. And so what that means is I I loaded up Hulu mm-hmm. and I and so I clicked over to Agents of Shield and I hit play and I'm like, and you hear the 
You hear that playing. I'm like, okay, kick ass. It's working. And I'm watching. Oh, and it's episode one. The first episode. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it literally did what I said. I said, let's watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Hulu. Well, I sat and watched it. And I'm like, why not? Why not? Let's sit and watch (laughs) it. And so I sat and watched it. And it's still as fun as it was back then. Mm -hmm. The pacing is completely different now. The, the, The way that they shoot the show, completely different. The characters, completely different. Except right. for Melinda frickin' May. Absolute, perfect character. From stem to stern, what is, quote, the end later inside of the next episode. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And inside of that first episode, guess what else is there? The cubicle scene. Mm-hmm. So it was absolutely perfect that that is mentioned here. And a wonderful little sandwich to eat as this episode ebbs. I love how the writers and the actors manipulate me emotionally. Dude, Because this was the part where I'm like, okay, we're finally breaking through. We're getting Coulson back. Even though, yes, we we have agreed it, it would be the goony thing to do, but we're finally going to get him back. Great. It's the power of love. And she mentions the cub- the the cubicle moment. We, we talk. She talks about episode one, and the fact that we know that this series is almost over. There's only one season left, and that season only has thirteen episodes in it. So we're we're down to the wire. It's almost over for Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get a little emotional, and then. Pardon me while I impale the cavalry. Holy shit. <laughs> what? What? Uh, <laughs> what? My jaw hit the floor. I was I was bowled over. Yeah, I, I'm I, like, I could not believe no it. No way. Could not believe it. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. Never in a million years had I thought we'd go in, in any direction that included, by the way, impaling Melinda May. Yeah. Yeah, oh. <laughs> and, and oh. this is also when I realized, and we talked about this out in the, in our prelude before we started recording the show today. It felt like I just got done watching 15 minutes of an episode after watching the whole episode. Yeah, it went by it, so it was super quickly. quick. It was super quick. It was also one of those ones where I realized I wasn't taking enough notes <laughs> because I was too busy watching the screen. And uh, so, man, this is just—it's another impregnated moment of absolute despair because like what 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 do we just do yeah and wait a second the episode's over and and now think about it Uh, for for those of you listening from the future (laughs) you have watched this through a streaming service and you're not watching it live as it was being aired so there was no break at all now imagine had they not aired these last two episodes on the same night, we had a whole nother week to mm-hmm. wait with this cliffhanger happening. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah, wow. So so in a way, I'm kind of glad that they aired both episodes on the same night, so I did not have to wait a week mm-hmm. to find out what the hell's going to happen to Melinda yeah. May. Yeah, yeah. So, but then again, also, we're, we're one hour less than we were before. From the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for good. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. The jumping into of a second episode, once again separated by 
the network no. rather than us. But we're going to spool straight through into our review of Season 6, Episode 13, New Life for You Right Now. Watching May die third party. As the episode starts, we eventually get to the piece where on a view screen, you're seeing the death of Melinda May third party. Yeah. Dude, what a, I thought it was a gut punch watching it the first time, first party. And then the second time watching it third party yeah. is even more gut punching. Because well, now you're actually seeing other people react. Yeah to her death and it's not just you you the viewer in this secret chamber where there's nobody else but <laughs> the guy that's impaling one of your favorite characters of all time mm -hmm. now you're experiencing it with other people who love melinda may just as much as you and you're seeing the pain on their face mm -hmm. yeah yeah a brilliant way to start the next episode yeah very just very super well done Talking Tech, the Chronicoms arrive. Uh, this is tremendous. We've we've seen essentially this before. We talked about it's been a Talking Tech moment. Yeah, the, the but teleportation device. Yeah, thingy. but the reason I mentioned it inside of this one is because of the number of. Oh yeah, it's really impressive. It's really impressive. And again, for uh, th this is just some dumb, s stupid comic book show on Friday nights. Yeah. And for a dumb, stupid comic book show on Friday night to pull off these kind of special effects regularly and it all just be so seamless man just total kudos to the creative staff that pulls it off every single week to make us this wonderful storytelling fabric that i love to just sh shower myself yeah. with and get oh, warm yeah. with it's awesome mindless shooting machines arrive to leave no prisoners again i am not the guy to get on the oh my god there's so much shooting boat but man, this is really strange. Here we are with killing machines with rifles running through to make sure that all the people that are there get picked off one by one. Right. Wow. Super sobering. And again, with the strange news stream that comes through, it instantly turns it into something different. When again, this is supposed to be just this stupid on Friday night comic book show. And it's not. No, it's not. No, it's, something, it's, not. It's, something, it's something much different than that. Uh, what I also enjoyed about the shooting-ness of what's going on here is that it is focused. It's not just, okay, full automobile everywhere. Yeah. It's absolutely focused, and they're there with a mission. And um, it was great. It was great. The assault on the lighthouse is exactly what the final episode of a season needed. It, oh, yeah. it it throws you right into the peril. Mm -hmm. Even more so because you have peril uh, halfway around the world. The world is going to end if our agents in the field don't take out Izel and Sarge. Well, now, the world is going to end for everybody that's in the lighthouse because these Chronicoms are going to murder them. Hmm, which one is more important? Which, which story? Who, who should be saved more? And the answer is both. Everybody. They're both equally important because it's the characters that we have grown to love. We have watched them now for six seasons, mm -hmm. and everybody deserves the attention. It becomes a case of masterful editing and pacing. Even though I thought 
the previous episode went by super quick. This one, yeah, this one is just boom, 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 boom. We go, we keep on going, jumping back and forth between characters. It is phenomenal, and I have to give a round of applause to the whoever edited this episode. Thank you very much because you yeah. kept the pace up. Oh yeah, kind of think of it this way. If you thought the pace was great on the previous one, <laughs> having to step up and then edit this one after it? Yeah. What what a absolute job. Just wonderfully done. The Chronicoms are looking for a key? I don't know that I understood this, and I'm just going to assume that it's a drift to the next season. My is it fair? I, I well, I think it's revealed what one of the things they were looking for. Uh, it's revealed at the end of this episode, Fury's black box. We learn in actually in a few minutes in the episode, we learn that the Chronicom hunters have gotten all their information from what they recorded from inside of Fitz and Simmons. So they're using all of that because they believe Shield is the only thing standing in their way from turning Earth into Chronica Three. Mm-hmm. And evidently there's a lot of things that S.H.I.E.L.D. has that will help them in their fight against just wiping all of S.H.I.E.L.D. out. And I, I'm assuming that the key is is either Fury's black box or any of the other cool gadgets that S.H.I.E.L.D. has. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. I, and that's Again, it makes me super curious as we launch into the episode what we're going to find either inside this episode or it's just setting it up on a team Well, right, because this season. is the last episode, so you're like, yeah. okay, so whatever happens yeah. by the end, we're being pushed into the Correct. final season. So pay very close attention because anything mm-hmm. could be a mm-hmm. clue to what's coming next. What happens when your emergency call reaches voicemail? <laughs> this is great. This is great. It reminds me of what I, I think I might have preferred when Fury accidentally peels off the, the pager that calls Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel arrives for her thudding movie. And I don't really care anyway. But this was fun. This was absolutely fun where he goes, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the ripcord. What the hell? And he flips up the phone and he gets Enoch's voicemail <laughs> and it's perfect i don't remember what the cadence of what he actually said inside the call was but it was essentially i'm sorry i can't take your call right now but please leave a message at the sound of the tone and i'll get right back to you i mean it was terrible it was the voicemail you don't want to get when right. all the chips are down yeah yeah because we're still led to believe enoch has been taken out of play mm-hmm. uh, we we didn't mention it in the in the actual talking points but the end of the previous episode was Enoch meeting with another fellow Chronicom and learning that all anthropologist Chronicoms have been reassigned to Hunter Chronicoms and Enoch's buddy has been reassigned and, and you're you're led to assume, oh, Enoch's been taken out of the picture. And this this going straight to voicemail is supposed to hammer that home. Mm-hmm. It's really well done and it adds another completely different depth to an episode that only at the end of the last episode did they bother even to just glance on it. Yeah. So again, it's that it's that depth and richness of storytelling that really is appreciated. That's a lot of blood. As we pan by Melinda May's dead body with a sword sticking out of it. Yeah. There's also this incredibly larger, basically larger than her pool of blood that's also there. Yeah. And for anybody that's not familiar with blood loss. 
anything that's that big a pool is not good. No, it, oh no, just outright. And so all that needs to be on the inside. Of yeah, all all <laughs> of it really it does. Uh, for for people that are curious, you you don't have to lose a lot of blood to lose your life. Uh, in particular, inside of a wound like I don't know, a sword impaling you yeah. through the midsection, it's not good. It's not good at all. And to see that much blood, very impressive. I, I did not think that they would go there, and they absolutely did. Uh, I think the only thing more horrific is more about her death later on inside of this episode. Love the ring wraiths all the way around. I'm smitten. I'm absolutely smitten. You create me a character that looks anything like the ring wraiths inside of Lord of the Rings, I'm I'm in. <laughs> Take all of my money. Here's my time and tension span. Have at it. Have at all of it. And this was wonderful. I thought that the costumes were great. I thought that they were menacing enough. I thought that, if I'm not mistaken, they were all women. So that made it even more interesting. They've created something here that I'm instantly engaged with, and I must know what's going to happen next, which helps propel the hell out of this episode throughout this entire eight or nine minute episode, because that's how fast it went. Right. Uh, I was appreciative of the fact that they had alien-looking faces, but all this talk of an energy being and we're not seeing energy beings, they they do have some sort of what looks to be a corporeal form. I don't want to say it was disappointing. All I know is that Ener- I have... Energiest? Yeah, okay. <laughs> all I know is that I am tired of aliens looking human or humanoid. And simple things can be done with that. Now, the fact that they actually made every, all those creatures have different faces that did not look human at all, huge thumbs up. The fact that they had five fingers and a thumb, okay, well, I'm not thinking aliens now. I'm just thinking people all dressed up in Ren Fair. <laughs> you know what we could have done? We could have done something with the hands. We could have made them have three fingers. We could have made them have... Flippers. Yes. Make it something. This is supposed to be... This isn't even supposed to be another world. This is another dimension. It could have been those grippers that people in wheelchairs use to grab things off the high shelf. Something. Something that would have been different. Right? Yes. Yeah. Different. And actually, we get to different later on in the episode, and we'll talk about that. But this right here, it's all right. But you're calling... You actually... You're referring to them as like the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Well, guess what? I don't want ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings being my interdimensional bad guys. Sarge's worm turns. <laughs> this is awesome. Just when you think that Sarge is going to get on, on board the time to mount Azel boat. No. <laughs> it's time to turn the story and the characters on their edge again. And I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. The chickle paka laka taka is not happy at the way that Izel has treated him all these centuries. <laughs> right. The three times triple shot. In addition to not only dispatching three Shrike aliens, it's three distinct and only one separate shots to three different Shrike zombies that come in an instant because she's obviously firing faster than light or mm-hmm. whatever her speed ability is. 
And it's tremendous. I thought that this was great. It was one of my favorite pieces of both episodes, frankly. I also appreciate the fact that they address that. Uh, Daisy even says, I didn't know you could do that. And Yo-Yo says, well, I, I am not the only thing that I, that can move fast. Because we've had conversations before. When Yo-Yo was introduced, the whole reason why her name was Yo-Yo is because she started in one spot, could move within the blink of an eye to another location, but had to return to her point of origin. And that's how her, her power base was set up. And in between, I want to say, season three and season four, things changed to where she was... A speedster. She was a speedster. She was still returning to the same spot that she started in, but it looked like she did... It, wasn't, it was no longer a straight line. Mm-hmm. And we kept on going. It was like, well, you know what? It, it would have been nice if, if just a line of dialogue would have said, during the summer, or you know, maybe I went through an uh, extensive training and I got my powers to do new things. They have evolved. But the, nobody's ever said that. Mm-hmm. So we're just led to assume that well, she's just gotten better and her powers aren't just moving from one point to another really, really quick. Mm-hmm. I like that they're calling it out. It took three, almost three freaking seasons. But it reminds me of something else too inside of the power set, and like again, it kind of goes back to the the toolbox concept. Where if you are leading the X Men team, for example, uh-huh. well, you need to know what all of your people are capable of, mm-hmm. so as to not only command them, but to know what and how to command them. And so that would absolutely be a piece of it. Where right. if if you're not familiar with all the powers and abilities that one special person has then how could you possibly be able to call them or direct them or ask them to do whatever? Yeah. So I, I like that. I like that a lot. I thought it was very, very cool. And this, again, this scene is done very, very well to showcase the whole speedness of it. I thought that that was great, too. Yo-Yo gets shriked. My God. Another just, moment where my my jaw just dropped. Yeah, I'm I didn't like, want to. Holy open, crap! We're going to kill another one. Yeah, I didn't want to drop my jaw too far because I didn't want to shrike to fly into <laughs> it. But here's another one where you got to be kidding me. One, where is Daisy's little? Vrrr? <laughs> Did he get the thing off of her lips or mouth or face or whatever? Mm, okay, but wow! Now we're gonna. Uh, there is no fix. There is no take the tums, and yeah. now the shrike goes away. There isn't a way to, to fix what's going on here. And so now what are we going to do? So very, very interesting. I had no idea where we were going with it. It's okay. You'll be fine. Uh, no, there's no data to support that, Mac. Sorry. <laughs> there's no data at all. I realize that it's a, it's a, it's a mind play and you're just reassuring her. To- and yourself. Yeah, I yeah. guess, yeah. It's, I think it was really denial. more for him. <laughs> <laughs> so things are not going to be fine. And again, I love this because it amps up all of the peril that's involved. You realize that he's not, he is not trying to put in a solution yet. He's just trying to comfort, if not just himself, then her also. And it's horrifying. It absolutely amps up the peril inside of that scene. Right. The fact that we do, and again, in dialogue, we do put out there. That the possibility of if we kill Izel, maybe hopefully all of her shrieks go with her. So now it's a ticking clock. There are so many clocks ticking in this last episode for so many different things going on that you you don't know which one to keep track of. Right. Luckily, 
the pace mm-hmm. keeps you on point mm-hmm. every time we shift to another character or characters. Maze Flesh Wound. I have to tell you, I was terribly disappointed that we're seeing May do anything after impale through the midsection with giant sword that's taller than you or I, that she falls through the hole and giant pool of blood is shown. Yeah. And that I really did think that we had seen the, not the last, but hey, look, there's dead May on the ground. We had seen that. So when I see her doing anything, I was terribly disappointed. Until life and death mean something different here. Excellent. And I don't think that this had to happen first, but the this very small section of line from Azel shortly after May starts moving around and doing things and then eventually getting behind the three ring wraiths. Yeah. This instantly soothes that savage Wilkerson beast of, wait a second, you've got to be kidding me. Again, I realize it's a comic book show. Forget it, guys. Mm-hmm. I get it's a magical sword. I get that it's Melinda May. I get that she's got the the power of awesome and all that. Yeah. But it's a sword to the midsection, and look at that pool of blood, and she's dead. And so giving us something to make sure that people understand that in here... It's something different. Yes. Yes, all day long. Give that to me all day long. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, when it first starts happening, you're like, how the hell is this happening? Then we get Izel crossing over, and we get the nice effect of her actually going through the portal. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't cheesy or even... I'm a big fan of the film Stargate, not so much the series. Yeah, me too. Because I can never get past the first handful of uh, seasons where that series... Because literally every episode was like, which part of history are we going to, to focus on time. now? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. That. I mean, I, I've talked to people and said it got much more science fiction later it on. Did. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, I didn't stick around. Yeah. But the effect in that first movie of traveling between worlds... Awesome effect. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And this here is is a very similar effect, but it's minimalist because we don't Spend spend thirty five seconds yeah. with that Jumping nice the wormhole right. yeah. block. Yeah. It's it's five seconds, we get to experience it, then mm-hmm. there we are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, a line of dialogue. Death means nothing here. Mm-hmm. Boom. All right. So as long as Melinda May stays here, she can keep kicking ass. Mm-hmm. All right. Pulling the pin on two more? Say it ain't so. How on earth can we kill Melinda May, Yo-Yo, and Fitz and Simmons? Yeah. How? how, What? Uh, Well, a sacrifice. You have to destroy this information. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is everything. This Mm -hmm. is everything that Shield has collected. This is big stuff. If if the Chronicoms get a hold of this. World Conquest is nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. It'll be a cakewalk, even going up against super-powered individuals that yeah. are supposed Good. to exist <clears throat> in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I, I mean, I get it, yes. Yeah, yeah. But are we going to kill two more of our team? It's like, was this, the, did, they, did I mishear something? Like, Is this the is final season? season six the final season? Yeah. And and so I wondered, and th- this scene is wonderfully played. I love that both of them get very mechanical towards the end of this scene. 
Because unfortunately, as much as we all don't want to admit it, you would hope that if that moment ever had to come, you could just do it and it would be mechanical and then it would all be over. Right. And it's done perfectly. It, it, I, don't, I'm, I don't know another way that this could have been done more appropriately, but still be entertaining than what we saw on the screen. For me, though, I saw the save coming because I knew, oh, sure, okay, Melinda May may end up dead. Sure, Yo-Yo may end up being infected by a Shrike and, and you know, dying. We've spent this entire season getting these two back together. They're not going to die. So I knew that there was going to be a save coming. I didn't know what the save was going to be. Mm-hmm. I just knew that, yes, all right. We're gonna take. We're gonna blow everything up. We're gonna do it together because you know we don't want to live apart. Mm-hmm. So might as well die mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Sure, great. Enoch to the rescue again. Very interesting that Enoch has taken on the skin slash look slash I am him of his recently transferred from the archaeology department to the hunter department. Fellow Chronicom, very, very interesting. Though internally, I think I saw it coming. I, 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 oh my God, Mike. Can you believe that? I don't believe that. Good, because I'm just totally bullshitting you. Oh. I didn't think of that at all. <laughs> because I knew you did, didn't you? No. Oh, you didn't. Okay, all right. I knew Enoch wasn't dead. <laughs> okay. I just didn't figure Enoch was going over, to blah, whatever. overpower his buddy steal his skin mm-hmm. and infiltrate to help save Fitzsimmons. I didn't no, I didn't see that. I, I knew Enoch was going to show up at some point in time. Interesting. I didn't know it was going to happen in this way. I was happy to see that Enoch has learned some stuff while he's been away. Because instead of just trying to save I mean, think about it. A lot of people have died. And he's been there while a lot of people have been murdered mm-hmm. by his fellow Chronicoms. Mm-hmm. But it's the long game. It's like, okay, I can't save everybody. I have to save Fitz and Simmons because there's a bigger plan here in play if we want to save Earth from the Chronicoms. Sacrifices do have to be made. And it's interesting to see Enoch be at that level now from when we saw him earlier in this season. Because, again, very... I don't want to call a centuries-old robotic entity naive, but eh, he was kind of naive. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's gotten a little bit... Uh, he's done some growing up, and, de- and I like that. Definitely more schooled. I, yes. I, 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 I seasoned. See, there uh, you go. Seasoned, I, that's, a, that's a good term. I, I appreciate being able to see that, but then it also his being seasoned actually having impact on what we're seeing. I love that. The onset of the May Izell fight and weapons. Tons of fun. Melinda May is awesome. Completely dominating looking, regardless of whether she's standing still or swiping or leaping off a parapet or whatever else. And how you could possibly match that with uh, not only an alien, not only an alien that's willing to kill and has killed, not only an alien that's willing to kill everybody on planet Earth, but give up planet Earth as a parapet to something completely different. How do you make that happen? This is how you make that happen. Right. 
Right. I, I was in completely on the fight that was going on here. I thought it was tremendous. I appreciate the fact that she still looked like she lost five gallons of blood, too. Yeah. her The makeup was, it was death. She looked dead. She had the sunken, dark circle around the eyes and the pale skin, yet still virile and ready for action. The first alien scene in a long time. It's about damn time. <laughs> we are, of course, referring to what lies beneath Colson slash Sarge's exterior. That this is, a is what stroke. an alien is supposed to look like. Yeah, this is a master stroke, and probably I know when the last time we saw something like this that was this impactful. Do you? Hive. That's exactly right. Yeah. When when Ward is revealed to be Hive, that was the last time that we saw something, I think, that, that was this impactful. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really good. Yeah. The, the kind of Bane mask that he's got on, the, the structure beneath, the reforming several times. Man, I thought all that was Just great. because it is a biped, it has two arms and two legs and a head, I'm fine with an alien looking like that. Mm-hmm. But it, there is nothing human about it. Yeah, agreed. You'd look and at that, you'd I go, that loved is human. Yeah. the effect. Yeah, it, it was tremendous. And it also provided us a sample of liquefy mode. Yes. <laughs> My well, God, if there to, was ever a time, now's to, the time. To an extent, because it wasn't working. Right. All it was doing was just dusting away the facade that was the shell of Sarge slash Colson. Yeah, and I like that, too, because it actually puts an emphasis on how... It's not meaningless, but it is just a shell. Mm-hmm. It is there. It can be knocked away. And hey, by the way, there's what lies beneath. Yeah. It was really, really good. Down goes Daisy. Dude, this is just tremendous. The, the, the alien Sarge essentially shrugs off liquefy mode. Yep. And thunks Daisy on the head so much that she's got a she's got a giant opening on her forehead larger than you or I. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just amazing just really really cool and i love to see our characters not only in peril but where the peril is actually propelling what's going on inside of the story it's terribly effective and it's perfectly placed here you think that because well we got three of them we got three uh, three of our agents yeah we're gonna win three against one uh well no daisy's powers mean absolutely nothing max strength uh means absolutely nothing and Yo-Yo's speed and bionic hands mean absolutely nothing because, <laughs> oh, the half hour is almost up and the Shrike is taking over. Yeah. 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 We're, oh, we're so screwed yeah. here. Yeah, everybody is screwed. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> Mac may as well be Mac and Cheese. <laughs> this is great. He's punching as hard as humanly possible and nothing. I mean, like zero. Mm. But the cool part is that him punching at nothing was totally effective because he was completely ineffective. Nothing was yeah. happening. And I was it was just really well done. And I appreciated that the alien Sarge put Mac in his mac and cheese place. Oh, yes. Another grand swords battle and the stones are in place. On the edge of the knife, literally, mm. 
And what is going to happen here? Because the peril is building in the wrong direction for our team. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. And what are we going to do here? I, and it was it was phenomenal. I really, really loved it. I enjoy any time we get a fight scene that – a fight scene in general, especially if it's between two people, because the level of choreography that they put into their fight scenes with these characters is movie level. Yeah, it really is. That. It's mm -hmm. movie level because mm – -hmm. You are, are you are left there, and yeah, if you watch enough movies and you know enough of the behind-the-scenes tricks, yeah, you know, they're never landing any blows whatsoever. But the beauty about these fight scenes is it looks like every hit, every strike is making an impact. And the fact that they sell it, not not only their stunt doubles, but the actors themselves when we're, when we're doing close-ups, they sell it as well. It's It's this great dance. Of both the choreography, the stunt performers, the real actors, and the editing. And it makes something beautiful. This was a beautiful sword fight. And very rarely do you get two very powerful female characters going at each other with blades. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Yeah. The cavalry returns and the rest. Man, this is just tremendous. Again, when in doubt, get impaled by a sword. It pretty much soothes every savage beast that there is. Uh -huh. The difference is that this time it happens to be Izel that gets impaled, and it's Melinda May delivering the impaling. Yeah. And it's tremendous. It, yeah. it, it, it's tremendous. They set you up for Daisy to die, of course. But at this, at this point in time in the episode, I'm not believing anything I'm seeing <laughs> at all. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. We're, we're going to see this through. We're going to save the world, damn it. And sure enough, the cavalry arrives, kills Izel, and not only do we save the world, but also Yo-Yo. Because evidently, she was not taken over long enough to die, quote-unquote, and she's able to puke up the remains of the Shrike inside of her. Mm -hmm. So, yay. May is down. Uh, this was brilliant. And what I did notice is something you've already mentioned, because I was under the impression that while in the, I don't know what else to call it, but inside the Ringwraith realm, yeah, inside the Ringwraith realm, I didn't notice makeup there. But when she came back, mm. it was dire. It's where, hey, it looks like you've lost just about every ounce of blood you've ever had. <laughs> right. uh, and not surprisingly, she had. Yeah. And so it's a wonderful scene. It, the, every time... You've ever thought Melinda May might die. This is the scene that you would have wanted to have seen. Mm -hmm. And checkbox. It's absolutely done well and terribly appropriate and sad because, of course, we never want the cavalry to be gone. No, no. And the thing is, where this is, where this is leading up to, it's like, okay, now she is dead because she's back in the real world. There's, there, right. there's no way they can save her. Right. Is there? Time travel shenanigans inside my shield show again? And I mean, I gotta go, uh-huh, because I don't want May to be dead, but is, is this what we're gonna pick? And this is, this is, I won't say this is where the episode started to get strange for me, because I realized that we have an entire season where they get to pepper me with 
stuff. That's so things get things get strange for you the last literal eight minutes of the episode. I, I'll, I think it's even less than that, isn't it? Seriously, uh, isn't it? Is it? Isn't it not? Maybe the last two or three minutes. That's it's, a little bit more. It's than late. That. It's super late. It, in the it is. It is. Here we are again, where there's something time travely afoot. Yes. And I'm super curious to know what it is, and we do not yet know what it is. Yeah, there's a, a bigger mystery is presented to us, and it's all revolving around the Chronicoms. Whatever Enoch convinced Fitz and Simmons to do to save Earth from the Chronicoms has been put into effect, and it evidently does involve time travel because Gemma mentioned several times that they had the time to prepare certain things. So again, you're left wondering, what are we building up to? What is season seven, the final season, mm-hmm. those last 13 episodes, what are they going to entail? And they are going to entail time travel, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. If Endgame can utilize time travel, so can Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. True, and it's... I was going to try and make something a different point, but it's probably perfectly placed here that you mentioned Endgame, and that a couple of episodes we'd mentioned an interview that I found online from the writers themselves stating that somewhere inside of what was back then episode 10 and the uh, onset of the next season of agents of shield, Mm -hmm. the snapping gets addressed. We were watching footage from San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Right. The, uh, the showrunners were there. They were being interviewed. They, they mentioned the fact that currently, right then and there, they were filming the final episode of season seven, so the final episode of the show. And they did make mention that, yes, we didn't mention it this season because, well, they didn't know about it before they started writing and filming that season. But, of course, season seven, they will be able to address it. They even said that if you have been a longtime fan of this show, we are giving you an ending. We are wrapping everything up that we could possibly think could need to be wrapped up, and you're going to be happy. Well, I'm going to be sad, too, because it's going to be the (laughs) end of the damn show. (laughs) But we're going to be happy. So uh, moving forward, I'm not worried. Oh, I'm not worried either. I'm I'm totally not worried. my, My concern and use of the word shenanigans here is just that I want to make sure that what doesn't happen every time, I'll call it hyper-critical peril occurs, what needs to not be the knee-jerk reaction and solution... It's time travel. It's time travel. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. So, so as long as we're on that same page, I'm good. But yeah, the, the, time travel ex machina, no, yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Because then, I can't deal with that. Because then it's like nothing. none of it mattered. Right. The only way that that's ever been done appropriately and it worked, at least in my opinion, it worked every single time, was something like Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. But that's because mm-hmm. time travel is a part of the show. Well, right. Uh, Quantum Leap is referring to Quantum Leap in time. <laughs> and so it was never fine. really focusing on like major life events. No, sometimes they did, you know, the JFK stuff, which, of course, didn't solve the the JFK assassination. Right, he saved her. But we're supposed to right. believe that in the real timeline... Jackie died as well, and she was saved. So, okay, nice. The the Anytime we do anything historical, like Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe and things like that, they, they get to play around, but you can't really change the course of history. That's mm-hmm. why the, all the stories were always so personal, mm-hmm. you know, very yeah. small. But then 
in the future this person impacted other people and it would it would be it was a domino, beneficial it, it, the, yeah it, domino it, effect it, it was essentially a domino effect and it's not I, I don't know how to make it like less impactful domino effect, but that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, that, that that's right. I I want to make sure that I don't want thirteen episodes of okay, let's do on our now wristwatch size time machine to make sure that we can do whatever we need to do to make sure that these thirteen episodes go fast and everybody's happy at the end. Yeah. Mm. Well, you also got to think about it. Jimma uh. and Simmons can't know where the other is. So they have to stay separated. Interesting, since we just spent an entire season of them trying to get back together, putting them back together, and now they're torn apart again. Right. I hope that doesn't get old moving I, forward with this new season. I, I don't think that it will. And uh, they, neither do I, but I just hope. Yeah. You know. I, I also think that they're being able to direct what they have, especially this season, with the cadence and all of the pieces, parts, and places, mm-hmm. not only with the characters, but also with the storytelling elements, I think they'll be able to do it just Yeah, fine. Yeah, so we, we know that one set of agents are time traveling. We don't know where Fitz and everybody else is, so I, I'm, I'm also very curious about that. Hey guys, 13 more to go. So here we are at the end of yet another season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with an augment to the directorship inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a right-hand man that is the most advanced LMD ever. And that's how we're going to start the next season. Along with a whole bunch of other question marks and details that we literally don't have any idea of. Yeah. Time travel and LMD Coulson. Ironically enough, the concept of an LMD Coulson goes as far back to the first episode of season one. A lot of people, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was announced and, you know, they said Phil Coulson has to be a part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or what's what's the point? He was just killed off in the Avengers. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. so how do you do that? And every single comic book fan said LMD. It's true. Now, of course, they didn't go that route. They, they didn't go that route for three seasons. And then they right. went back to that. And right. I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. So now here we are. We actually are getting Phil Coulson, LMD. And very much like my comment about the time travel, I'm okay with this. Yeah, me too. I am I am totally okay you, with this. It gives you a taste of what is gone and actually gives you a bunch of satisfaction based on something you couldn't possibly have gotten satisfaction of because, wink, wink, we got rid of the alien that didn't leave the sheath of Coulson left. Yeah. It literally is the best of both worlds. I would rather have LMD Coulson than Shell Sarge Coulson for my final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I agree with that, and I think the one caveat I'm going to throw across all of it is that I want there to be maybe one or two jokes throughout the season that allow the self-awareness part to be a joke. Mm. But then I don't want any more of that. Right. we got to think there's going to be a lot of drama because when May gets better, this is going to be hard for her. Sure. Because she's going to know, well, yeah, you're you're not Phil Coulson, but you are Phil Coulson. I mean, that that was the beauty about LMDs. They literally had all the memories, the personality... 
the feel, the, the, the look, the sound, it was just artificial. Mm-hmm. Something that I really loved about that, that back half of season four was what is artificial t- intelligence and how far can it go before it becomes something more than just a computer program. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that maybe that's something that we'll end up focusing on in in season seven, yeah. and I'm fine with that. Oh, I am too. I am too. I, the The bottom line is that we get all the all the chess pieces essentially back on the table, mm-hmm. and we have a whole bunch of floaty question marks that can now be placed appropriately with an incredibly appreciative writing staff that knows that the fans of the show are looking for closure. Yeah, because we know it's coming, and I can't tell you what a smile that brings to my collective entertainment face because you and I can both list at least five different shows in the last 10 years that were going just fine. And then one day, nothing and no more story, no nothing. You just are left at the door. Well, hell there's an example within this show, agent Carter. Yeah. Two seasons, the end of season two total cliffhanger. Yeah. And because the ratings weren't solid enough, no return third season. Yeah. We don't even get a side story inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of how all of that wrapped up. Which brings me to another point. This may actually end up being the fact that, you know, you mentioned closure and that the showrunner said, we want to give our fans what they want. We've traveled back in time. Are we going to be able to get that closure of what happened after season two? of agent carter could could we actually get a return of Haley atwell as agent carter in you, in season seven you son of a bitch <laughs> you mentioned her simply to make me blush yes That's i it. did <laughs> oh boy gosh that would suck i can't stand 13 <laughs> seasons of Haley atwell inside of my cone of reference that's great <laughs> the sky's the limit mm-hmm. time is the limit and Again, I can't tell you the nice warm blanket that the the writers realize that we are here. Mm-hmm. They realize that somewhere in this inside the cone of season six, they realize that the end is nigh, and they had been preparing the content and the storytelling to go in that direction. Yeah. I am totally appreciative, and I'm totally confident of what we're going to get next season. Yep, mostly because of what we've gotten over the course of the last four seasons. Mm-hmm. It's all general wheelhouse right to the fans, but more importantly, it's all about engaging storytelling. Well, we've run long inside of this mega double decker episode. We've got to take a break, but we will be right back. Make your podcast soar with the editor core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with The Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. 
here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of this time two episodes, season six, episode 12, The Sign, and 13, New Life. Traditionally, when we come back from break, it's time to break open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. We're going to do exactly the same thing this time. The difference is that we're going to run through two different episodes because these were presented together. Yep. So, Nick, what have you got inside of your dossier for episode number 12, The Sign? My dossier has got to be the tie, even though very loosely, to Marvel Zombies. Hmm. That's now, a good one. No, of course, it's not really Marvel Zombies because mm-hmm. Marvel Zombies was actually the superheroes becoming the living dead and, and eating each other. But the fact that we have inserted the concept of zombies, and again, these are not dead flesh eaters. These are more, I would compare them more to a viral zombie than the yeah, living dead. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a big difference between the two. And if you want to know more about that, check out... Two guys talking horror because mm-hmm. we go into all of that in some of our episodes. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that for you, for us diehard comic book fans who also read the comic books, and and technically speaking, Agents of Shield, the show, not based off of any storylines whatsoever, mm-hmm. loosely based off of maybe moments and characters and things like that, taken and put in a nice Cuisinart and squeezed out and put into our show. I like the fact that we have introduced an element of, yet again, horror. And the, the I remember early on we kind of compared the whole Shrike stuff to The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. And then there are also moments where it's very xenomorph-like, like alien. Mm-hmm. Well, now here we go. It's Now, now we got zombies, so, so we're throwing the zombie stuff in there too, and I really like that. Now for anybody who doesn't know what Marvel zombies are, well, it's actually two things. One, it's a series of comic books in which it's a it's an alternate universe where a zombie virus lands on the Marvel Earth 
and the the heroes, both heroes and villains, start becoming zombies, flesh eating zombies. So it's the people who are alive fighting against the people who are dead. Straightforward, very interesting. But back in the early days of Marvel, Marvel Comics itself, for the folks that were die-hard Marvel fans and paid attention to the continuity, even though it was still very early, the phrase Marvel Zombie was coined by Stan Lee as somebody who was a die-hard fan for Marvel Comics. Mm. A tie through history for both TV, movies, comic books, and I get to talk about Stan Lee. May he rest in peace. So that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for episode 12. I think that's a great one. Mine is very straightforward. I love it when we can take a piece of tech and throw it through storylines so that it's instantly impactful, but it also has some sort of cap on it. Uh, it's yeah. fun to watch things work until things don't work. And then you're able to see what happens then. Now, we don't get to run through the entire ammunition bay of however many bullets have been created right. to fend off the Shrike horde. But we get to jump in and we get to see a whole bunch of them taken down with mm -hmm. them. And I, I think that the, the Shrike weapon developed bullets are a masterstroke inside of storytelling. It's smart. It, not only is it smart, it instantly allows there to be a an equalizing ability of anybody that happens to be holding one in their hand against, again, a, a, a horde of 10 zombies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you could squeeze off what probably is 10 rounds, then you could probably hold off 10 zombies at once. And I dig that yeah. because all of our agents should be able to do that depending on the weapon that they're wielding. Uh, but I, I thought it was, I thought it was just brilliant. I thought it was really well done. That's where we ask you guys, what was your dossier for episode 12 of season 6 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Sign? Let us know what you think by jumping on over to our Facebook presence over at facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Chime in on one of the threads that's there or start your own and tell us what was your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for episode 12. A very strange double-decker world inside of this episode. We're going to jump into the dossiers for episode 13, New Life. Nick, what have you got? There was so much Dude. in this final episode. I mean, Dude. It, it, I, <laughs> we'll give a little bit of the making the sausage piece here. We just went back and watched the last, I don't know, maybe four or five minutes of the episode. Yeah. Before we record, which would make it my podcast. fifth time seeing the ending <laughs> of season six, and and there's so much, there's so much I didn't even make bullet points on inside of especially that last ten minutes of what's going on inside the episode, because there's so many hearkenings to things that are coming. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to effectively make notes to well because it's mostly because speculation. No yeah, yeah, there's no, all it would be is us speculating totally. what possibly could happen. Totally. You know me, though. I do enjoy speculating once in a, once in a great many episodes. If you go back and yeah, listen, oh, I'm speculating okay, all the time. Mr. Haley Atwell, <laughs> uh, no, for for this episode, my dossier has got to be LMD Colson. I'm sorry, it, it, just because it's an LMD doesn't make it any less Phil Colson. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that we actually get Phil Colson, not Sarge, not some guy who looks like Phil Coulson, that has some remnants of a, of memories of Phil Coulson, we get full-blown Phil Coulson with his badassness and his dad jokes back again next season. 
and I can not wait. The first time I saw the ending to this, because you can you can kind of when you're listening to Gemma talk about it, it's like, oh, are they are they actually going to do it? Are they really going to do it? And then they go into the other room, and and they're all looking, and they've got those big wide eyes, and then Daisy hits the button, and they keep it out of focus, but you can tell mm-hmm. who it is. Mm-hmm. I started tearing up mm. because I was like. I'm getting Phil Coulson back. Somebody I thought I was never going to be able to see again after the events of season five. And then all through season six, my heartstrings are played with. My emotions tampered by the writers making you think, will we get some sort of version of Coulson by the end of this? And Of course, no. But that's okay because now I have LMD Coulson and that is my shield dossier. You've accidentally glanced on my dossier for what's going on inside of the last episode of the season, episode 13, and it is Traveling the Dark Highway to the Future. When I say those words, those of you that are Terminator fans, you might conjure a different envelope of vision and imagery. But it's one of my favorite sayings from the second real Terminator film, and it's the it's what Sarah Connor says as she essentially looks at what is anew at the end of that film because everything has been fixed at the end of that film. Asterisk. <laughs> and but traveling the dark highway at night is something that's always meant for me that you don't know what's going to happen because you don't know what's gonna happen. Right. And that's where we are. We have no concept at all nope. of what's going to happen. There's nothing that's been laid. There's no trailer that was dropped inside of Comic-Con. There's no accidental memo that's been leaked to the public. <laughs> There's nobody inside of the cast that showed up at Comic-Con to accidentally spill details. There's been no press junket in regard to the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where anybody gets to talk about anything and accidentally spill a spoiler a la... Uh, Mark Ruffalo slash Tom Holland. We don't have any of that. <laughs> right. And so we are. We are traveling a dark highway at night into the last season of this program. And I am elated that I know nothing about it. It's what I've been talking about now for probably about a little less than a decade in regard to trailers and not paying attention to what's supposed to happen or knowing anything about what's going to happen. And it's not because I wish to remain ignorant. It's because I wish to remain unsullied by fragments of storytelling and imagery that will dash everything I'm going to experience inside of a movie that typically costs me at least $10 per person inside of my family every time we go. And I want there to be that separation. I want there to be the dark highway at night when I walk into a theater and I have, again, to use the frame of reference of a highway, everybody knows what a highway is. Mm -hmm. You know that it's lanes of traffic often separated by, if not just divider lines, dash lines or solid lines, white and yellow, but perhaps a median also. And then you know that there are cars traveling in both directions on whichever side of the highway. Right. You've got the scope of what that means, but you have no idea how many cars are going to be on it. You have no idea how fast you're going to be traveling on it for the span of the time that you're going to be on it. You have no idea if there's going to just be no more road. You have no idea on things like that. And I think it's important to remember that we 
jump in and experience things like that. And guess what? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to give it all to us inside of its seventh and final season written to us, for us, by the writers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's where we ask you guys, what was your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for Season 6, Episode 13, New Life? Let us know what you think by going over to our website, that's agentsofshield.tv, fill out the quick web form and tell us what was inside your dossier for this episode. Ah, the ratings! Inside of all of our other episodes, you'll know that the ratings are delivered for one episode, but because we've reviewed two episodes inside of this one double-decker episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, you're going to get two, two, two for the price of one inside of this episode. (laughs) The first one we're going to review is our first episode, season six, episode 12, The Sign. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Delicious Shrike-killing bullets inside of every magazine for your firearm. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Your personal teleportation device is not only out of power, but doesn't go to the bathroom. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what have you got? We've made mention of it uh, during the actual review of the episode where this wasn't a two-parter beside the fact that it did have a cliffhanger-esque feel to it. Yeah, and it it's spanned, not a two-parter. Yeah, and it spanned 83 min- or 86 minutes. That's it. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. It's it's the, the studio decided we're going to play these last two episodes on the same night. Right. That's all it was. Yes. This was not a two-part episode. In that sense, again, I have no idea what ABC is doing. All I know is as long as they're giving me what I want, I'm not going to bitch too much. <laughs> so too, we're, too much. Too much. Yeah, exactly. Too terribly Because much. if I didn't bitch a little bit, I wouldn't be me. <laughs> there, there has to be a little bit of nickpicking here not? and there. Why not? So for episode 12, it's the setup for the peril that is episode 13. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things happen in episode 12 that set up the dire circumstances of episode 13. So as the precursor to the season finale, the penultimate episode of season six, I have to give this episode a 10. It had everything. It had a little bit of humor. It had action. It had high stakes. It had betrayal. It had WTF moments out the wazoo. Mm -hmm. Anytime a show can leave me gasping for air because my my mouth has just laid open so long (laughs) and I have forgotten to breathe because an event has happened in said episode, you've got me. You Mm -hmm. have to be a 10 episode. Yeah. And that is my rating for episode 12. I can't disagree at all and I have to give it a 10 also. It can be for all of the same reasons, but (laughs) the one that's missing from your listing is that it is, I think, probably the perfect ramp to the last episode. Mm, Yeah. If if I had to, if six seasons ago I had to tell you where the sixth season, twelfth episode needed to lead specifically to and how, I would try to have penciled in something that looks just like this right yeah and master stroke they've done it i too give it a 10 
That's where we ask you guys, what did you give this episode, Season 6, Episode 12, The Sign? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rated this episode. But wait, there's more episode rating goodness that awaits everyone inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast experience for this episode of our program because it's time to rate the last episode of Season 6, Episode 13, New Life. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Looky, it's LMD Coulson! You make fun of me, but you love it too. <laughs> the only thing that could be more on top of the heap, a wink, a wink, a nudge, nudge, is Haley Atwell. <laughs> a one is on the bottom of the scale, surrounded by zombies that want to eat your brain. Be a short meal for Nick. <laughs> Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what have you got? Uh, again, how much how much more of the same do I have to talk about? This was a, a, the perfect way to end a season. All of my complaining, my nitpicking of standard network television being 22 to 24 episodes long, and therefore, okay, well, we've got a story, but we got to pad it out over a long period of time. Well, guess what, folks? We cut out all the crap, scale it down to 13 episodes, there is nothing in this season that was superficial. It all serviced the story. And it all led to the events that took place in episode 13, New Life. Ten. Double ten. Triple ten. Quadruple tens if I could give them. This is the way to do sci-fi fantasy. Is give it, give it to us in a smaller chunk where everything matters and you're not padding your season I, I, I mean I was a little sad it's half the episodes now but the, those episodes for this season even the ones that we rated uh, slightly lower than than a 10 were still good episodes mm-hmm. so the fact that we it's only it's had a, it's a comparative thing well yeah it, it, we got we got half the episodes <clears throat> but twice the quality mm-hmm. so I'm I'm happy Mm-hmm. Ten, yet again. Yeah, I I think you saw this episode a little bit better than I did, and uh, so I, I rate this. You are, ep- you're not fooling anybody, Wilkerson. I, I rate this episode a five. Yeah, sure. Times two. Oh, <laughs> math. <laughs> I've got to have something squirrely that makes it other than me just saying the number ten with a little stupid drum thing. <laughs> With a little stupid drum roll, there's got to be something different. Anyway, I also rate this a 10. It's a 10. What do you want from us, folks? It's a 10. It, uh, Anybody again, who didn't think this, this was a 10, why are you watching the show? Why, why, why are, are you, you listening to our podcast? Why? Why? I must know why. And to tell us why, you're also <laughs> going to tell us what you rated this episode by going over to our website. Again, that's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere inside of the web form. Fill out the web form and tell us what you rated this fantastic episode. Season 6, Episode 13, New Life. My God, until next season, I am one of your hosts, Mike Wilkerson. And I am Nicholas J. Hearn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication. 
reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. What is it that will stop Izel? The sword. There you go. Moving on. Awesome. Enter the tone. Enter the tone. Enter the tone. <laughs>